0: Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. We've got Gabe behind the camera and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team since 2018 in Pennsylvania. And we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Give us a follow and make sure to subscribe. So, first show of 2023 here, and we're starting off with a new tool on HousingWire. This is actually pretty exciting for data geeks like me. I'm curious to get your take on it. Um, Logan uh, Matashami over at HousingWire, he developed what he's calling the Housing Market Tracker, and it's a weekly analysis of purchase applications, housing inventory, and mortgage rates, that will get published every Monday. And he's focusing on these three data lines because, in his view, they give us a glimpse into the future so we don't have to wait for existing home sales data or lagging indicators. We all know about this being in sales. It's always lead indicators, which can be old if the market turns. And in a national market, we wouldn't need to be concerned about weekly data so much, but we aren't living in normal times. So what do you two think about this, first and foremost, for someone that's People that get asked about the market all the time. Buyers are asking about rates. Sellers want to know all this data. Is this going to help you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is great uh, information to have that does give you, again, like you can't know for sure what is going to happen next. But people are often, I think, afraid of making the wrong decision or jumping in at the wrong time. And we always talk about not being able to time the market. But this gives, um, you know, most of the data that we have that's for sure fact, is what's already happened. And we can, you know, we can do our best to predict what's in the future. But this is a good tool to kind of show them like, hey, this is what we're seeing.
2: And weekly, there's no reason then to not be up to date on your information. Right. You know, there's no excuses. Um, so I think this is great because if there's one place that you can get this quick information weekly, every Monday, you just tap into it and find out what's going on with what's happening. Um, to me, it's, it's valuable information to be able to share with clients.
0: Agents that use this will be so ahead of the game. And I, I I like that it's a lead indicator. We've talked about on the show last week, Stacy. well, we're waiting on the inflation data. Well, We already kind of have a feeling what happened, but it's all, it's all dated. We don't know yet. And even when that comes out, it's going to be a month old at this point. And existing home sales, I mean, what's the longest settlement each of you ladies has had here from when the home went under contract to when it actually sold?
2: Not counting new construction. Not counting new construction. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the longest, I guess. <laughs> but not, it's... I would say less than 60 days. Yeah, yeah. so like,
0: say, let's say even 90, right? So mm-hmm. any sales data is automatically delayed 60 days. Mm. I, I think 60 to me is, is the key number because that's when you can lock in a mortgage rate without paying points in most cases. Uh, new construction, although you guys joke about that, that's also a lead indicator because they raise those prices as those homes sell. Mm. So that stuff's great. It has value. Don't get me wrong, but but they're not lead indicators and we're not seeing what's happening with demand. You know, purchase applications to me, that's a, that's a clear indication of demand. Housing inventory, there's supply, mortgage rates, what's it cost to borrow money? So I find this really, really interesting here and I'm surprised it took someone this long to develop this kind of data because we all know the numbers are out there. So I wanted to dive into each of these a little bit with you here um, and and just kind of talk about what we see happening in the market and what the current numbers indicate for Q1. So purchase data application, we did not have any purchase uh, application data last week, and we'll get an updated report on Wednesday, for the past two, probably because of the holiday, I think every, I think half we were here last. I mean, there was even anyone at the parking lot at the radio station, uh-uh. Stacy. So
1: <laughs> I wasn't here. Well, it was quiet. Yeah,
0: there, nothing wrong with that. So, um, and we did have some exciting data after the weaker uh, consumer price index report in November. Um, so, obviously, looking at this uh, purchase application data, they, they actually have a graph here, and it's tough to show this on the radio. But what, what they do is. Um, and what Logan did here is that in one year, in 2022, if you look at the Mortgage Bankers Association's Purchase Application Index, so it's the, the moving average of purchase applications, basically. So what are the average amount of weekly applications? We wiped out, just in 2022, seven years of growth. So demand has certainly declined a bit. Now, it's it's still very strong relative to inventory, But if you were to look at that and show that to people who are worried about there's not enough inventory, there's we we can't we can't compete for a home right now. This would indicate otherwise that you can still get an offer accepted. I mean, how how do you interpret that as an agent, especially when buyers or sellers that are looking to buy homes would 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 give you that kind of weird objection?
1: Um, I mean, I think this would be a useful thing to show them and you know let them know that given the amount of inventory that's out there, like. Yes, there can always be competition here, but these this is who all is actually like applying for 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 mortgages. You know, this is these are the these are the people you're competing against and the number is not as high as it's been in in the past. So that's your competition I,
0: I, I think that's a great point. It's not because I I mean, how many times have buyers said to you or sellers that have wanna, wanna buy a home, hey, you know, there, there's just too much competition out there. Well, this, would, this is a real-time data point that indicates the exact opposite. I mm-hmm. that, that mean, have you heard this objection before, Stace?
2: Oh, yeah. They do sure wanna, you have. They don't want to be up against all the competition. They're not interested in, you know, going in at 15, 20 offers like it was in the Times a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would show, yeah, well, the applications are down as far as, you know, applying for a mortgage. So that means there are, is less competition. You know, but I, know, I understand that the um, inventory is still at a low, but your, your mortgage applications are not being processed as much as they were in the past, meaning there's less people looking. So there is less competition. So and this like would not take into account,
1: like this is just for people that have gone under contract and now are like formally applying, like doing their mortgage application, right? It's not people that are getting pre-approvals.
0: So, well, it, uh, this is actually a purchase application, So, and you can't file a mortgage application until you have an executed agreement of sale. Right. So, certainly there's folks that get pre-approved, but we know, how many times have you had someone got pre-approved that did oh, absolutely right. nothing in the marketplace? All right. the time. <laughs> Constantly. <laughs> so, to me, I mean, I, I, you know, I look at one of the biggest battles we're going to have to fight as real estate agents, and consumers need to kind of learn how to understand as well as what's actually going on in the marketplace this is so much better than any any sort of two month or three month lagged indicator, especially when we head into the spring, where you're going to see this number go up. Mm-hmm. Where it's not like we're you know it, right now it's it's fine to look back because we're at we're at, we're we're in the middle of uh, the beginning of January, April and May. You want to know what's going on, so I, I see this as being super valuable and something that if I'm an agent that wants to dominate in 2023, I'm looking at this number every single week. Yeah. All right. Second one here. I know how much you guys love stats, so <laughs> our um,
2: eyes are glazing over.
0: <laughs> well, but I, what I like is that no, you're like, figuring out how to use it, yeah, and that, thats absolutely. the idea here. Um, okay. Weekly housing inventory. You hear this number. What does it tell you? How can you use it in the marketplace to help people understand what's actually going on?
2: Yeah, well, I think this is really important um, because it does. It really paints the picture. At you know, what's what is the inventory? There's you know, it's been historically low uh, over the past couple of years. Um, I think it in 19, what was it? 2019, it was a four month, um, level of inventory. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then once we got into COVID land, um, I think when we opened up the markets, it was what, less than one month, one and a half Mm -hmm. months in Philly. I know it's a little bit higher, um, as far as inventory, but since that time, you know, we've been hovering still in these same Areas, mm-hmm. So it's really good to know, you know, how much inventory is on the market. You know, right. what, what are we up against here? So we can guide our clients in the right direction. If, if they're looking at more into the city, they might have more opportunity because mm-hmm. there is more inventory in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the burbs, it's a little less inventory. But if you're dealing with less competition, that spells opportunity. Right. So both of these numbers coincide together. You know, you, you need to know what both of these uh, lead indicators are here. Uh, so that you can guide your clients in the right direction.
1: And I think it paints a good picture also of really like what is out there because you hear a lot like there's no inventory, you know, yes. nothing's popping up, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but if this is the – if we're able to show where it is, like what you've already seen and what's on the market is – like every once in a while there's that unicorn house that pops up that's mm-hmm. just like unbelievable, you know. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, usually that's going to be reflected in the price and, and in some other things there. But – um, this get like this is what's out there, and this is
2: probably what's coming. You know, like it's all a, a pretty similar pool, mm-hmm. and days on market too. I think is important because um, the houses that are seemingly sitting a little bit longer, that's where opportunity lies too. So if you can, um, you know, guide your clients into giving those a look over and see if that's something in the in the right neighborhood that they're looking mm-hmm. price point. Um, are they willing to accept, um, certain conditions of the home? Uh, to me, that spells inventory, uh, opportunity. Yeah.
0: Well, so, so to me, I, I think Sarah, you brought it up and it's, Hey, there's no inventory out there. How many times have you ladies heard that in the past 12 months? Yeah. More more than once? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more <laughs> right. than 10 times. Yeah. More right. than 50, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, constantly is the point. Um, so if you can show real data, and then I would even argue that you should be looking at this locally too. It's because it, the national numbers are helpful, mm-hmm. but if you were to go locally, hey, there's you know X amount of homes for sale in this county or in this township or whatever else. Then you're giving people real I- real ideas of what they are actually competing against, or what the opportunity looks like. Uh, sellers, if they don't have a they don't have to buy a home and they know where they're going. I'd be looking at this number constantly because it tells you how little competition there is and how much better you can position their home. For buyers, if there is a lot of, you know, there isn't much inventory and you see the previous stat, the number of purchase applications are high, well, then you got to get realistic with how you're going to pursue this property. So all this does, it gives real-time information to people that want to make decisions. And, I, you know, I, I, I never got the agents that don't study this stuff and they just say things like there's no inventory or, you know, all, all these absolute comments because it's, ne- it's never really that clear. And this is what consumers want right now. Um, one of the things he mentions in here is that he believes, or or there's, and and that there's the capacity that the next two home sales reports inventory could break under 1 million. What does that do for the market? Is that a concern of yours? Tell me more about that. I mean, that'd be a very low level here right now coming off November. We're at 1.14 million to give you some perspective.
1: And that's that's national nationally, yes, yeah,
0: I wish we had a million homes to sell here, yeah'd be, right? yeah. be great, yeah,
1: um, I mean, honestly, when it is some of these, like I think the, looking at the national numbers is very important to kind of see a general trend, but when the number's that large and it's a national number, I feel like it's kind of hard to compute that to to what's really going on here, so that that number doesn't totally freak me out by it like dropping mm-hmm. just because it's um it's national. <laughs>
2: But uh, what would freak me out, or not freak me out, but would be concerning is the way that the spin, you know, in the in the media would be on this number, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like the market is going to collapse, you know. It'd right. be like so hyped and over-crazed. Right. Um, that would be a concern because then the clients, buyers and sellers, mm-hmm. this Probably would like be all they're hearing, right. Yeah. So, no, we're not going to sell now because we're going to wait, and then buyers would be pulling back too. So right. So that's. That's where the concern would lie for me um, because I think the people that say that there's no inventory, uh, folks are looking in very specific areas or they're not finding exactly what they're looking for mm-hmm. as like the house has been totally renovated and updated for like 19 or, yeah. or 2015 pricing. Right. You know, that's what they're talking about. There's no inventory. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, 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 you bring up a good point there that when they're looking at such specific areas, yeah, there, there might only be a couple homes that sell because you're only looking in one particular uh-huh. neighborhood and right. or one particular section of the township or the school district. So there shouldn't be a lot of turnover there because you're being very specific. Uh, and what we know is that, that those move-up properties, those 25-year-old homes where a lot of the boomers are – not 25-year-old, excuse me – 25 years or more of ownership with one-owner properties – The boomers specifically, they're not moving right now. They don't have anywhere to go, and they got a ton of equity. Um, What Logan uh, Matashami goes on to say here is that he's not a big fan of these numbers dropping back to um, or below 2019 levels. Um, And if we're back at a 2019 level, as long as mortgage rates stay high, we're probably going to be okay here without prices shooting up another 10%. It'll be more moderate appreciation, which will bring people back to the market anyway. And prices aren't going down. So, I mean, I I don't see that happening at all.
1: And also, like, as, so as a buyer, it's like, okay, cool, yeah, I want to get the home for less. But when you're thinking about then staying in there and having uh, an asset that is appreciating over time, you want to be able to sell it for more than you Mm -hmm. bought it for. So, like, you you want home prices to, like, not at, like, a crazy, like, offshoot level, but, like. You mm-hmm. want that, like, because mm-hmm. then the objection would be, if it wasn't, like, well, I don't want to, what is this, a car? I'm going to purchase it, and it's going to go down in value. You know, like, you want something that's going to continue to increase in value. Right.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, it, it, people that want prices to go down, first of all, they're wishing. It's not happening. Right. I mean, I, I will book it right here on this. It's just not, especially in our marketplace. I can't speak to some of these other markets. It's not happening here. Right. So last one, and we'll get some more exciting stuff in the next segment, ladies. I know, I know it's uh, – First day back after vacation, and we're looking at numbers numbers <laughs> so the ten year yield and mortgage rates obviously this is really important how How does this impact your day to day? I think it's just important for people to, to to get clear on this cost of money i mean it, it, yeah, it,
2: if it costs more to buy money, then it's going to spread across everything your your um credit card interest rates i mean coming off the holiday, people put a lot of money on their credit cards that mm-hmm. interest rate's going to be higher uh the mortgage interest rate's going to be higher so it, they they go hand in hand for the most part.
0: So it, it's how much it costs people to get homes, right? That, that's what we're talking about here. The market's very rate sensitive. This one's pretty self-explanatory, so we're not going to go too much into that. Um, so why don't we do this? We've got these three indicators. We talked about how we're going to use them. I really love the mortgage, the purchase applications and real-time inventory. I think that's really valuable for consumers and for real estate agents to be able to to disclose that, share it, tell everyone what it means, And obviously mortgage rates are going to be a real factor, the cost of money, the cost to borrow something, affordability. We've talked about that at length on the show. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to go through an article I saw on Inman about cold cold calling being dead. This one got me very excited because I'm a real estate nerd. So we're going to break that down next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.
3: We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized, local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. Have you considered a
0: career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Even our brand new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool sales group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom, e.com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when
4: you work with Tom Tool. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610 439 8,000, or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com.
0: Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool, she's Sarah Time, and she's Stacy Mitchell. We've got Gabe behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool sales group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018, and we're streaming live every single week on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. Give us a follow and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. So this article, on, coming off like a weird, this is like a weird news time. Like there's not a lot going on. Everyone's kind of getting like the Sunday scaries on Monday and and all that stuff. It was published on Inman. Th- this article to me, it, it, I think it sums up the 2023 market and what it's going to take for agents better than anything not necessarily the article itself. I thought there were some things that were good and bad in here. But the question is, cold calling dead? So, and this is written by Amy Carardi. She's out of the Tahoe area. So, what do you two think? Are, we were just talking about this at the break. Is calling people on the phone dead? Is dancing TikTok videos better to get your get your uh, clients around, uh, converted?
2: Well, it depends who you're targeting. I don't know about the TikTok videos if you're going to really gonna hit a with lot no of people. On the TikTok yeah. videos, but keep going. Um, <laughs> I think that
0: Can we get that sound like it.
2: <laughs> I think you have to reach out to people, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to pick up the phone. You have to dial people. You have to get them on the phone. You have to have a conversation. I mean, it's all about relationships and and forming relationships. And you're not going to get. Uh, positive reception at every every call. Right. Um, but I think for some people who aren't comfortable or would prefer texting or emailing cold calling to them is like a freak out mode. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just it's anxiety. Um I think if you if you just scale it back a little bit and think about it a little bit differently and uh, you know think that like if somebody answers the phone I'm just talking to another human being you mm-hmm. know I'm just calling them to inquire about some information and maybe they can provide me some or maybe they'll hang up on me at right it's not like life or death situation here that we're talking about right so I think that yeah it depends who you're talking to they would say cold calling is dead because they don't want to do it right right
1: well and I mean I think that as you've if you've made a good reputation for yourself and you've built up a good business over time, people will call you. But for the most part, you're not just getting all your business from the year because people were calling into you. It's because you were calling out to people. So um you have to make those. I mean, it would be great if it was like, all right, and now I'm turning on my phone and everybody Calls just are ca- flooding and they're just all calling <laughs> in and it's fantastic. <laughs> like that would be super cool. But um, you know, that's that's not where you're getting a majority of Your business from. And even if it is like a referral, a a referred person or whatever, you probably still have to reach out to them. Um, And I think you get a lot more info typically from somebody by having a conversation with them um, over the phone versus via text. Because I mean, even if. You know, think of how often like a text will come in where you're, you don't have time to respond and then you completely forget. And this could even be from like a good friend, you know what mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. um, that you're not trying to just like not answer. So mm-hmm. then if you tackle on top of that somebody who maybe like isn't quite ready to get out there yet but doesn't realize this is the right time to still start the conversation, they're going to be a lot more likely just to be like, oh, I'm not ready for that. And then you don't hear from them. Like you have to you have to talk to them.
2: And text messaging is just so impersonal. Mm-hmm. So and and I think if, if people approach cold calling in another way too like think about how you're going to approach the call are you bringing value to
3: great your point call session? great point
2: what am I what is my goal i'm going to provide value to this particular neighborhood today i'm going to call everybody in the neighborhood and provide this information that hey a house just sold for 30 over asking price in 2 days or whatever um, but if you're bringing if you're coming from a a, a place of bringing value that's a whole different mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not really seeking to gain something back, but you're you're actually providing some valid information. Maybe you'll get somebody on the phone who's interested in, you know, more, finding out more information, asking questions. And then that's when things start to flow and just organically happen. Mm-hmm.
0: We were at the uh, Tom Ferry Summit this past year and Tom always puts up like successful agents, right? And he said, okay, these people are doing this much business, whatever else. You know what the number one trait was? They make there are calls every day and way more calls than you think. And it's not just like a cold call. It's, it's I'm calling my past clients to see how they're doing and building a relationship. Relationships are going to win in 2023. It's not who's in the right place at the right time and got the right call in from Zillow or Op City or something like that. So that, that would be number one. Secondly, you can get so much more information so much more efficiently on a phone call than a text exchange. Yes. I mean, have you ever tried like pre-qualifying somebody on, over text? like, I mean, I feel like I'm playing switch with my son and like my thumb hurts by the end. Right. So and they could at any time stop responding to you. And then you can't hear the tone of their voice, Mm -hmm. what they're saying, how they're saying it, because that tonality is probably more important than the actual words that come out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that's missed by by texting an email. Third, it's super passive to text somebody and call them and passive agents are going to lose in twenty twenty two. So I, I, all of those reasons are, are reasons why calling your leads works. And it's been documented and proven. I mean, we, you know, we go through this every year at our team. Whoever talks to the most people ends up selling the most houses as long as they know their scripts, they know how to give the appointment, all the basic skills. Like, it, it, it's very easy to look at the data and see that. Um, what I would also argue is that there's too many agents that are used to just catching the right person at the right time and showing up at the house that that person was going to buy no matter what anyone would have done. Right. Because demand was much frothier than it is right now based on, if you just look at the last segment, just with purchase applications alone mm-hmm. and the NBA charts that are out there. So for all of these reasons, any agent who says, I don't want to cold call or I don't want to make calls, and I think make calls is different than cold calling, if the, I, I, I welcome them to the business because we're just going to take all their deals from them. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that simple. So I, I actually I'm, I'm actually pretty excited that this mindset's out there because – if you don't call people, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how else you do it. So, you know, in this article, um, what they go on to say is that a lot of agents who swear that calling's not for them, they usually haven't even done it. Mm. I mean, have you ever not done something because you were afraid about it? Either of you do? I don't, oh, yeah. Like what? Yeah, like, Give us some examples. I don't
2: know. Well, I don't know, because I've, I've done a lot. I was going to say, like, skydiving or something, yeah. but I've done it. Yeah. So, so. I don't know.
0: I wouldn't do that, and I'm definitely afraid of it, so... <laughs> Um, Or something maybe you had a preconceived notion about and then when you did it, it wasn't that bad.
2: Oh, I think that can be said about a lot of things. Yeah. I think it could be said about making your calls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, you might want to be like, I don't want to make calls today. But once you get on and start it. Yeah. Okay, I I got a good one. A workout.
0: Great, great comparison. Okay,
2: so people are like, I don't want to, I just, I can't get started here. I can't work out. But once you get into it, and once you get going and once you're finished, you're like, man, that wasn't so bad. And you feel so much better. Right. So just think about when you do that with calling, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of procrastinate, you don't want to call, don't want to call, but you do. And you make a couple of really good connections and you connect with people. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that wasn't so bad. And hey, I, I got some, you know, good follow up.
0: And there was a direct benefit to you in both situations, whether it's your business or your health. Right. Yeah, so that, exactly. that's the thing people don't, don't realize. What did Jeff Mays say today on our coaching call? The leads get better as you get better. That was something, I, I like, I, I, I've ter- I've talked to Jeff a lot. I wrote that down. He's the coach for our team. Mm-hmm. As The leads get better as you get better. It's because you got to call them. And then every call that goes bad, it's g- going to make you stronger the next time. So a lot of people are just afraid of rejection or because they don't know what to say and they haven't practiced. And if you're practicing your scripts, then you know what to say. The questions work. And I'll give you a prime example of this. I know I sent this. We talked about this, Stacey. So on Broke Agent Media, right before – well, It was like December 22nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get on there, and Eric and Byron and, and Dan are like, all right, Tom, you're going to make some Fizbo calls. And I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm, <laughs> I haven't done this in, in a while because obviously my roles change with our team. And you know what I did? I stuck to the script, followed the plan. This thing was on the market for – I had talked to this person before, actually, because I drive by the home a lot, and it was listed on Zillow for almost 30 days. And I got an appointment in about six minutes by following the script. Did you guys watch this?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: so I mean why don't you explain up it the
2: phone. <laughs>
0: what, what happened Talking on this it wasn't person. anything crazy
2: no it was like you said you followed the script you asked questions and he actually answered your questions
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and you know you were just coming to uh, from it as a point of um, inquiry and interest and uh, wanting to learn more about the home and why do you think it's still on the market things like that um, and just asking for the appointment like, yeah. you know, can we? When it's
1: when's a good time to meet? It's great when people like actually like open up and like answer the questions, you know, and they like yeah. give you like truthful information. It makes it so much easier to like keep going forward with it. It is. It can be hard when you can tell it's just like short answers and they just like want you off the phone to like keep pushing. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, when you when you follow the script, um, and exactly ask for the appointment, mm-hmm. um. It can happen.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's the biggest mistake that a lot of agents make because they have a bad call like you talked about. Mm -hmm. And they think every single call is going to go like that. You're really digging for gold here. And you're looking for the one person that's open to a conversation and maybe hasn't connected with that agent in the right way. And that's because agents don't practice their scripts. And I've heard the people that make these calls. They say things like, "Why are you selling on your own? That's a horrible idea." Like immediately, that's yeah. not going to get someone to set an appointment. It's kind of insulting. Or like, too. "Hey, what did you do wrong that your home didn't sell in the hottest seller's market ever?" Wow. You guys are laughing. This is this is people have told me this yeah. at appointments, and they have said, "You're the only one that asked thoughtful questions about me, and that's why we wanted to meet with you." And it, it's we've heard this all before, right? So if you can work on your game to get to a point, because you two are great examples. When people you get in front of people and you talk to them. They want to work with you, right? You uh-huh. just sold an expired listing. Um, and it was some of the stuff that they were saying was mind blowing about right. what went on. Do you want to give some examples here? Because this is this is no different than than a for sale by owner call.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was bad, like what went wrong with like, yeah, what the, the agent other told agent. them.
0: And then what we actually did, because it was it's like night and day every single time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there wasn't a lot of communication there as to what was actually like going on feedback wise. And, um, you know, you have to the market, the market dictates what's happening. It's it's not personal. It's you have to give them the facts and you have to let them then make the decision for what makes the most sense for me to do next. Like this is what's this is what the market's telling us. Um, so communication super important. And You have to be aware of what now, and it it is a little bit easier if something went wrong with the last agent and they tell you, so you know what, because there are like things that, um, you know, you might not realize off the bat, like how important that is to the client. Like there's, there's random things like they may care about, but somebody else wouldn't. And once you know, you can know to look out for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like little, little oversights can really, really stick out
2: to, to clients. I agree. It's funny because I had a listening appointment. And when I walked in, the first thing that they said was like, oh, um, the other agent that we interviewed, as soon as he walked in the door, he said, well, of course you want to use me because I'm the best. And that really made her not happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It was, you know, kind of insulting. And so immediately he was off the list unbeknownst to him. Right. But she expressed that to me and I was like uh, like no. In my head I'm thinking are you kidding me? Like right. who would do See, I would have thought awesome I'm do do getting that. this listing. Right. But, I'm like uh, who go would ahead. do that? Like seriously, whose ego is that large that would do that. And I was very curious of who that was, but I didn't have the nerve to ask. Right, <laughs> right, right. But um yeah, but you go in it's a job interview. Right, so you're not going to go in saying th- something like that. You're going to go in and present your your case, like right. why you would, why what we can do for you, right? What, how we can help you.
1: And I mean, I guess there could be some personality types where that works for you. Know what I mean? Like, but probably not. You know? Yeah. I mean,
0: I I, I, mean, I, I wouldn't go a, for that. I don't but. think I've ever done that ever. Yeah. Um, but it just it you know it's when you make it about the the agent instead of the person. Right. That mm-hmm. that's where it goes wrong in in a lot of cases. Um. Mm-hmm. The home you sold, they had a parking spot. They didn't even market. And this mm-hmm. is in Philadelphia. Like, that, like, that's such a miss. Oh, my
2: gosh. Yeah, and that's a big miss.
0: When this stuff happens, it, it just, it's mind-blowing to me. And what you said, Stacey, and I, I found really interesting, you said it's a job interview, right? We, we've talked yeah. about this before. You know who gets the best jobs? The ones that go out and find the job on their own instead of wait for the, for the employer to call them. Mm-hmm. Like, like, if you think about, like, in, in your life, I know when I had to get an internship and I didn't know what to do, I started faxing. That's how I'm dating myself. I faxed my resume and a cover letter to like 42 different real estate offices, and I got two calls. And I'm like – I mean this is like you had like the carving paper and all that stuff. But I don't think I would have gotten those internships had I not done that. And the best job seekers, they submit their application, they follow the process, but they'll they'll follow it to a T or maybe even be a little aggressive with their follow-up. And that appeals to employers, and that's the relationship that we have. When you go to an attorney and an accountant, usually you're going to them with a problem or you have a service you need. I think it's a little different in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, those if you have like a attorneys will go out and pursue business as well. So yeah. I don't think it's it's necessarily a bad thing to be proactive. It's just you got to do it in the right way. and know what to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So the last thing I got here about this article, tell me what you think about this. So there's a guy, Ricky Carruth. He's down in the south somewhere. Um, he's uh, pretty active on Instagram. Um, I've seen him speak a couple of times. He's got some good content. He posted something that said, all I'm saying is look at the stats before um, trying to identify your lack of activity to lack of market activity. Look in the MLS, count the daily transactions closing without you and all the listings hitting the market. Don't tell me the market's dead. It's busy and getting busier, not slower. But guess what? You're letting the greatest opportunity we have seen in a long time slip right through your fingers. The shift is over. Welcome to the new market. What are you going to do with it? Wow. What do you think?
2: (laughs) No, I think it's good. You have to, and it's with any business, if you want it to succeed, you have to work at your business constantly like Sarah said, you know, if we all, if every, if our phones were just ringing off the hook with people dying for us to list their homes, we wouldn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Maybe in the movies it does. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. But it doesn't happen that way. You have to go out and get it. Right. You have to work. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: And you have to, you have to hold yourself accountable, um, as well. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's, It's really easy, and you can do it with anything. You can just blame everything on everything else. But, like, it ultimately, it's you in Mm
2: -hmm. 99.9% of the situations. Like, Mm -hmm. so. Right. Do you have, what are you doing? Reassess what you're doing. Do you have, do you keep a calendar? Do you stick with your calendar? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, are you doing your calls? Are you meeting your goals? Do you have goals? Have you written your goals out? (laughs) You know? Have you broken them down? Yeah. Um, there's, There's a lot that goes into it. And the more you put into your business, the more it's going to pay dividends. Mm -hmm.
0: What I know is this. um, I actually looked up the numbers, right? What happened in the past 30 days? So we had 979 homes sold in Chester, Montgomery, Bucks, Delaware, and uh, Philadelphia counties. But that's 1,958 sides because there's two two opportunities Mm -hmm. on every one. Mm -hmm. So... If you're just, I mean, when I hear that number, like it, it may not sound like a lot, but that could have told me I could have gotten two or three of those, right? Mm-hmm. Or four or five or whatever the numbers are. So it is important to get real with the stats and see what's going on. What I like about Ricky's post here is that it's about personal responsibility. It's mm-hmm. about, you know, everyone's trying to make an excuse. The market's slow. It's Christmas time. I mean, I, I've listed 17 homes before in December. So I, I can't sit here and tell you that people aren't ready to meet. So, you know, all of this here is that. It's about proactive outreach. Cold calling, I, I think we can all agree, is not dead, is what I'm kind of hearing. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing it done constantly with, the, with the, the, the post that I shared about what we did a couple weeks ago with Broke Agent Media. And there's a lot of sales out there. I mean, there's over you know, almost 2,000 homes that sold in the month of December. And that's just what went pending. That's not even what closed. It's just mm-hmm. the homes that went pending. Mm-hmm. So hearing all this stuff... Is there anything you're clear agents should change, add, or subtract in 2023? Tw- excuse me. Is there anything agents should change, add, or subtract in 2023 to make sure they hit their goals? What advice would you have for people listening right now?
2: If they haven't done, if they haven't written out their goals, they need to have have something that they can follow. You need to have a plan in place to see, you know, how am I going to get to these goals in 2023, and what does that take? So, and if agents don't like to talk on the phone, we said this before so many times, Tom, that Mm -hmm. they're in the wrong business because this is all about the phone. (laughs) It's all about talking to people. Mm -hmm. If you don't like talking to people, you're definitely in the wrong business. So you want to either grab a partner that you can practice with and brush up on your, you know, on your scripts. Um, you, You know, you have to lay out your goals and stick to your calendar that would be my advice
1: yeah i think mine would be like you need to do things to get business like
3: very mm-hmm. like
1: business doesn't just all fall in fall in your lap you have to do things if you feel as though you're doing a lot of things but you're not getting the results then you need to you know maybe seek advice for somebody or have somebody help like if you can't evaluate it yourself what's working and what's not working then you need to get help figuring that out and then adjust what's not working. Yeah. <laughs> why is, why do I feel like I'm super busy, but, but I'm not spinning my wheel? Right. Cause mm-hmm. I've, I've certainly done things like that before where like you keep, you know, it just, it doesn't, doesn't generate anything, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. you keep doing it. So it's like, right. all right, well let's try something that does. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, I, I, what you said is be open to coaching and open to help, and I think mm-hmm. that's so important because so many people get this idea in their head, like, I'm going to go do this, and this is going to work because they read about it once, and they will test enough stuff, and if you're not testing things for 90 days, because 30 days isn't long enough, like, you have to test things for 90 days, see what they do, chart your results, and then make a determination from there, That that that's great advice, and the folks that are I, – I think the best thing you said, Sarah, is, like, be open to help, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, folks that are struggling, it's not – you're not too good for it. And, and we talked about this with the, um, the uh, uh, Frederick Eklund mega deal. I think that was last week um, mm-hmm. where you know, they, they don't do well and they just immediately like, all right, I got to go somewhere else. And instead right. of actually look at like why, like why things didn't go the way they wanted to and analyzing data, tracking and measuring, that, that's kind of the other component here. And the whole point of all this is we've heard all this stuff before. There's nothing new that we just talked yeah. about. It's just more important than ever because there's going to be less transactions this year. Still, plenty of them. I mean, you know, we're talking about only, almost two thousand sides in Philadelphia and, and and the metro area, and that doesn't even include Jersey and Delaware. That's just the Pennsylvania portion and the four county area and the city. It's a lot of business. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of business to be done there. I mean, I, I don't see that being an issue at all. I mean, if you're trying to do, let's say you're trying to do fifty deals, right? You need two point like five percent of all that. It's not that much. Mm-hmm. Totally doable. So. Great stuff here. Love the article on Inman. Um, love Ricky Caruso's post. Uh, Amy uh, Corardi, great article. She's, again, in, uh, from Tahoe Luxury Properties in California and Nevada. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And there was a new Airbnb regulation that got um, it took effect on January 1st in Philadelphia. That's going to affect a lot of homeowners. We're going to explain it next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB. 860 a.m. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610 692 6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor because this isn't a transaction to us, it's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Main Line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's TomTool with an E dot com. Sell your home for more and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool All right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. We've got Gabe behind the camera, and we all work at the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live every week on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So this, to me, has been a long time coming, this next article here. And this next uh, new rule from the city of Philadelphia, starting January 1st, so two days ago, it's in effect, Philadelphia will be enforcing new rules for short-term rentals and for Air B&Bs. And this has happened in other places like Jersey City, uh, um, you know, New York, a lot of other places where this has happened. And what they are doing, uh, because there was... I guess issues people didn't like that these people were only living in the properties for like a week or renting them out or treating them like hotel rooms. The new law requires a limited lodging operator license for short term rental hosts who live in the unit. The paperwork is apparently inexpensive, but it means the hosts have to comply with a variety of requirements, such as obtaining lead-based paint certs and ensuring their properties are up to code. Um, Owners renting properties where they also don't live, need to get a hotel license. What do you guys think about all this?
2: Well, when I started to read the article, it said that in 2015, the city required many short-term rental owners to obtain zoning permits, right, for businesses. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is something that's really been a, in effect since 2015 for the most part, but it, was light, it wasn't enforced.
0: Yeah, thank you, Philadelphia. I mean, it, 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 this has been going on for a while. Yeah,
2: so if, this is not something new. They just didn't enforce it. So um, since 2015, you had to have certain zoning permits anyway. Um, and, and they're just treating it as it should be. Like it's investment property. So you either have to have uh, a, a rental license um, in effect that you have to pay money for every year to have the, the privilege of having that rental uh, mm-hmm. license to operate as a, a business basically. Um, but doing apparently doing this limited lodging operator license is not expensive. They said the paperwork is inexpensive, probably similar to that rental license. Um, but you do have to have lead paint certifications and ensuring that your properties are up to code. Now these are just safety things, mm-hmm. which I don't think are unreasonable, right? I mean, are they giving out a limited
1: number of them, or is it, I mean, I know it's backlogged and getting anything done takes forever. So there's going to be like a delay in all of this, which. If they were to start enforcing it right away and then suddenly like you're out the time between now to if it just takes forever for the paperwork to push through. I mean that's – that stinks.
2: But apparently this has been no. going on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and they've been delaying it six months yeah. and delaying it. So it's like come on. we Somewhere you got to stop it right. and you have to enforce it because right. again we're going to delay another six months and another six months. Well, and probably the way that it will be
1: enforced as I feel like they were saying in here is the – ultimate people that would be held liable would be like Airbnb and like whatever. So they're not going to, I don't think they're going to like risk it.
0: <laughs> well, and, and there, there's a couple other parts to this. So the, the the Inquirer article is okay. I went to Philly Voice to get a better breakdown. It was a little less like wordy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there apparently were Airbnb party houses that disturbed neighborhoods, and that's where a lot mm-hmm. of this came from. Mm-hmm. And um, in many cases, property owners would run out to long-term tenants who would then host the properties on Airbnb. So it was like a like a sublease of the lease and neighbors living near these party hubs complained that the city about the excessive noise, litter, violence, et cetera. So now what they're doing is, and and, in 2015, this happened that that they put an 8.5% tax on short term rentals. Um, So now they're, they're, they're doing this to uh, uh, property owners who don't live in the unit. They got to apply for the hotel license and zoning permit through the zoning board, for, for welcoming the short term rentals because it puts it on the owner because imagine like the tenant is making money off it's like a sublease right mm-hmm. right but it's for a week I mean to me I, I think it's, it's it's a major problem and this is this is the issue that has come up in other cities where these places are now like th- like they don't like the behavior of the people that rent them they treat it like a hotel and you know I mean and and in some cases it's a hotel I've never been a big fan of Airbnbs in general that's just me unless we're going to like a beach town or something. Um,
1: I've done Airbnbs in cities before. It's fun. But I could see how if you're a neighbor that constantly is having yeah. people cycle through, um, probably not so great. Do right, you ever have a bad you, Airbnb? Um I've never had like a terrible experience. I've
0: had two horrible ones and that's why I don't like them. Mm. Like it's I mean, like I, I someone needs to hire these photographers that took the pictures of these <laughs> yeah. of these places. So that's been my experience. I can see why yours is, is not. Um, you know, maybe it's just me. The point is, though, I mean, now you're, you've got, like, this third party who has no standing in the transaction whatsoever. It's like when the yeah. someone else comes in and starts arguing about the buyer and sell. These people have no liability. It's, right. okay, mm-hmm. their lease. Yeah. And the leasing laws are so tenant-friendly in Philadelphia, they've got to put it on the owner because the owner is the only one they can fine and and, and uh, lean it against the property.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, there has to be some kind of, as much as I don't like a whole lot of regulation and crackdowns Mm. and all these things, I think for this kind of thing, especially if you are an owner-occupant and you have to deal with this on a constant basis every every weekend, there has to be some kind of, um, you you have to have some kind of accountability and able to track what's going on Um, because it it does say, you know. They're, they're about to ban 70% or more short-term rentals if people don't start <laughs> abiding by these. And again, I don't think that it's anything excessive. You have to get a license, which you should if you're going to use it mm-hmm. as a rental. And you it you should be up to code. Like, you should have the safety things in place, smoke detectors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I go back to, like, Westchester University area. Like, y- it was yes. a free-for-all, like, you know, it was just student housing everywhere and you just would ride through Westchester and it was just Party Town, USA, red cups everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Porch parties. So how they did it was, <laughs> right? I mean, and if you live there, because Westchester, if you were an owner-occupant, it was mm-hmm. a nightmare for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't get any sleep. Yeah. Um, so they had to do a limited amount of rental licenses. Yep. So this is kind of the same thing, I feel, because you have to protect people who live there full time um, because it's their investment too and they have rights right um and you should abide by these things it's not a big ask from what i can glean you know mm-hmm. i do it for my rental properties i have, every year i have to pay money to update my license and we have to get inspections and you have to you have to have meet these safety criteria yeah. if you want to be in that type of business and it is a business right you know people are like casually saying well it's the way i make money well yeah because that's kind of like a business. Right. So you should want to be above board and do all these things. Right.
0: So there's 4,476 Airbnb listings as of the end of November in Philadelphia. So th- this could have an impact. I-, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these homes come to the market because a lot of these people buy them to Airbnb them, and they think they're going to get – you can make more I- – I-, I just I- – I see people do this all the time. We don't live in, like, a resort town. Right. right. And so, I mean it, – it, but, but – they they say oh I I bought this Airbnb it's at the beach I bought this great property whatever else I I have a hard time with that I'm a big fan of boring investment properties that's just me so it, that's a lot of properties that 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 are out there and mm-hmm. and I'd imagine some of these people are not going to be compliant or mm-hmm. what if they got someone in there that's not cooperative I mean I, I've I've heard horror stories that, like this is not hearsay this is it's things that have happened that you get tenants in there. And they won't let anyone in to do these lead-based paint inspections. And all of a sudden, you're not compliant, which is a whole nother right. issue. So I'm I'm glad there's some regulation because when you're next to one of these properties and it's a problem tenant, mm-hmm. forget like an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But imagine like you're down the shore, right? So you've, you guys rented places down the shore before. Mm-hmm. You ever have like a neighbor that just was like, I mean, they were just getting ossified, drunk the entire time. And, mm-hmm. and like, I mean, it was like nuts. I think that's what's happening in a lot of these residential neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Down the shore, it's a little more tolerable because you're on vacation. Mm-hmm. Right. Not so much if this is where your full-time residence is.
2: Right.
0: Did you ever leave sure. next door to a tenant before? Did like I when you owned like- a property?
2: Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Uh, never, how- ever, ever. Sounds like it went really well based oh, on the... Uh- man, that was a learning experience. One and done. And never again. Yeah. Um. Yeah, actually,
1: <laughs> on our... So our place that we own um, in Philly, which now we have tenants in. It's not short term. Um, they they signed like a two-year lease. They're great. Um, I would say like everyone on that street, like there were no tenants. It was all people that owned their home. And then there was one that went and got tenants in. And you like it, it was crazy. Like because I've – you know, I rented for years before we mm-hmm. bought. And we were always – good tenants, you know? But, like, you forget that, like, not everybody not is. Not everybody is. So, like, it was, it was nuts. I remember the one day a bunch of the neighbors were outside talking, I guess, like, the night before, a couple of the people that were tenants on the street had gone out and started, like, peeing on cars. Like, and these are the neighbors' cars. You know what I mean? it's yeah. just like, what are you, you doing, You gotta man? see these
0: people in the morning.
1: Right. Like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Not good.
0: So, that is why I think this makes sense. Um, and mm-hmm. you, this is what happens when you have these disruptive companies come in and, and yeah. Airbnb, I would call them a disruptor in the best way possible. Not, not anything negative, yeah. but there's not laws. People don't know what, how to, how to, how to govern these things. And people care about their home. I mean, that, yes. that's why, that's why people say, you ever get the buyer? I'm only looking at single family homes, yes. right? Like they don't want to be, a te- right. and even if it's yep. an owner, you don't know what you're getting exactly. and you can't pick your neighbors. So yes. in a lot of ways, this, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, um, and there
2: and and to the Airbnb owners part the, I I personally know Airbnb operators who are they take great pride in their for business For sure yes. I totally agree. So the I think these are the ones that want to just turn a quick buck and they're just, you know. And there's bad landlords like that too. So
0: I remember vividly one time at one of my horrible Airbnb experiences was in New York, and the guy goes, "Hey, don't let anyone else in the building know what I'm doing." And I'm like, eh. <laughs> I'm "Like, well, I got to stay here this weekend, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut." But like, that—that's right. that—that's the kind of problem that's there. They're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're doing stuff that they know is a little edgy. Yep. And they're—they're they're pushing the limits a bit. So that—that's a great example. Um, and. There are people. I mean, I've got family members. I've got a lot of friends that do this, and I mean, they've got cameras there. They make sure everything's done properly. Yep. It's a real nice experience, and you got to think people are spending their vacation money on going to these homes. You've got a little like they're, 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 There's a kind of like a like a covenant or an agreement that you're going to give them a good experience because. Even if you go down the shore, you've probably stayed at, like, a nasty place down the shore versus, like, the really nice ones, mm-hmm. and it, it it can be real hit or miss. So I, I like that there is some regulation mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I think the thing that's going to be tough is getting all these certs and everything in place. Now, it has been six years in the making, so hopefully people have had enough time to do it.
2: They better step on it, get right? to it, right?
0: All right. right. That's it for this week's episode. So if you want to follow Stacey, she's on Instagram. She's at the number two Mitchko. You can follow Sarah. She's at Ty underscore Ty time. You can follow me at TomTool3rd at TomTool the third, and we'll be back next week on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB eight sixty AM.